Have you guys ever gone to, to see a movie and been really, really excited about going to see that movie because of either the story or you're ready for like the action scenes or the special effects, something that's got you just really pumped to see the movie, just sitting there in eager anticipation and expectation of what is going to happen and how your life is going to be changed because of this movie. And you'll have something to talk about at work the next morning. Only to actually just go and sit in the movie and be really disappointed because what was advertised in the previews wasn't actually what happened in the feature-length film. I think it's the worst for me when I'm expecting an action movie because I really like to see cars blow up and guys running down the streets and dodging bullets and all that kind of stuff, to have it be lots of close-up dialogue, <laughs> long, draining, and romantic. I mean, it might be the best movie ever made. It might win the best picture. It might win the best acting. But I still am disappointed because it wasn't the movie I thought I was promised to have. It's about expectations, right? Failed expectations lead to disappointment. And, and that kind of happened in relationships as well. So I want to tell you a little story about when April and I bought a home. It, the kitchen was this really terrible powder blue color. And we had decided together as a couple that we wanted it to be a dark burgundy red color. And so as a surprise to her, I booked the day off of work while she was gone I went and bought paint, and I painted the kitchen. And this was good. Like I was actually rehearsing in my mind the whole day all the wonderful things that she would say about me when she got home, about how loving and caring of a husband that I was. So I went and got her, and I could hardly contain myself as she walked into the house, and she started to cry. <laughs> and she didn't cry because I did a bad job. I did a great job. She didn't cry because of the color, because she had actually helped pick it out. She cried because she had wanted to paint the kitchen herself. <laughs> so expectations on both of our parts led to a really, really interesting evening of disappointment. Right? And um, I promised never to paint anything again. But... Uh, Failed expectations and disappointment can also come into play in our relationship with God. And I want to talk a bit about that. And so to, to do that, I need to set the context just a little bit. I won't take a ton of time on that. But I actually want to just drop in on a story in the Bible out of Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, it starts out by talking about how Jesus was brought before the governor of the land because he was being accused of basically being a terrorist, that he's going to blow up the temple and that he was trying to become king or God or whoever position of authority and take over the current government. And uh, they bring Jesus before Pilate. Pilate, the governor, sees right through this plot, and he's like, well, this is ridiculous. This guy is a nobody. He's not going to blow up the temple. He's not going to become the king. So I'm going to let him go. But in order to look good in front of the people... I'm going to make it look like it's their choice of who they get. Because I have a custom, I let out someone every year, and so I'll actually present them with a choice of a real terrorist, and then this guy, who I've heard that they've been praising in the streets lately. And much to his surprise, the people actually choose the terrorist over top of Jesus. And they, he's like, well, what should, I do with, what should I do with Jesus? And they say, crucify him, crucify him. So in a symbolic action, 
He gets a basin of water, and he literally washes his hands of responsibility of this man and says, the blood is on you. And the people respond, may his blood be on us and on our children. And then he's condemned to immediate execution. And he is marched and paraded around the city dressed like a king because that's what his claims were. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was ridiculed. And when they got him to the execution state, they stripped him. And then they pierced his arms, his feet, and they hoisted him up. And the soldiers who had been parading him through the city sat there and they, they gambled for who could win his clothes, which was interesting to me. I don't know if they thought they were going to be collector's items one day. They may very well be if whoever owns those clothes now has sitting on a small fortune. But the fact of the matter is crucifixion is pretty gruesome. And though we have come to recognize it as a pretty popular symbol within our culture, it's a pretty normal thing to see whether we've been exposed to Christianity our whole lives or not. We have seen the image of the cross. But crucifixion is basically death by asphyxiation. I can't even talk about that kind of word. Why am I trying to use it? But uh, it's basically drowning. It's, uh, it's, it's painful. You're hung up into a position with nails through your soft tissue, and the weight of your body can actually make your bones go out of joint. As you've been sitting up there for a while, it's a slow and painful death. They put a placard above your head outlining your crimes. You're stripped naked so everybody can see who you are, what you claim to be, and what happens to people who make such outlandish claims against the government. So after you've been sitting up there for a while, you lose a lot of blood, and it becomes really difficult to breathe, to have circulation, and your heart just feels like it's turning into mush as there's nothing for it to pump. In the, as the liquid pools, it starts to settle within your lungs. It gets very painful to breathe, and you actually have to push up on the feet that have been pierced up in order to take a full breath. And it would be at those moments that you'd actually be able to speak, and the rest of the time you're just fighting the pain and trying to stay alive. And so Jesus in that moment yells out something. And he yells out, Eloi, Eloi, lamna sabashni, or however you actually say that in, Ar- in Aramaic, I don't know. But the question to me was, what was he expecting from God in that moment? What are the moments in your life where you've called out the same thing? The times when you've been expecting God to act one way and he doesn't, and in turn you get disappointment. So I actually just want you to stop, think about those moments now, the questions that you asked, the expectations that you had on God, and just think about what your questions were and what it was you were expecting of him in those moments. I'll give you a second for that. you have those questions in your mind, um, we're going to do a little bit of a community project here. So we're not very good at often 
communicating with each other about what our questions are about God, what our hurts are, what our disappointments are. There's lots of people that come on stage and talk about how great God is. But sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And what I want you to use this ball for is I'm going to pass it around and I'm going to realize I'm passing a ball around. You might not pay attention to me anymore, but that's the risk we take here. So there's some pens, a ball. I want you just to write out your questions you have for God. I wrote on there a few of the ones that I have. Like, why did my brother-in-law have to die? Where was God when? I don't know. They're your questions. And we can kind of come to a place where we see what each other's questions are, what each other's hurts are. And I set the context for that because the words of Jesus really stuck out to me. And the reason they stuck out to me was because the words were left in the original language. I mean, Jesus said all his words in Aramaic, yes? So why did he, the author, specifically tell us that these words were spoken in Aramaic, give the words there in Aramaic, and then translate it saying, they mean, by the way, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a disappointment. At least that's what it seems like. The scholars, when I read it, they say there's a few things, possibilities that could be happening there. Like That could be the moment when God the Father has poured on all the sin of the entire world onto Jesus, and he is in that moment experiencing rejection from God. It could be in that moment he is wanting God to remove him from the situation. We know the night before he was praying that he wouldn't have to go through this. But the questions still remain. Why were those words so important to be left in the original language? And I came across this, and it's not something that's very well known. I mean, even the people that were there didn't seem to understand what was going on. He says these words, and then they respond with like, he's just crazy. Or he, uh, he needs to be drugged, like help him dull his pain. And they run up there to try to get his pain taken away from him. But that's what I came across. In the ancient times, they didn't refer to the Psalms by their number like we do. Psalm 13, Psalm 139, Psalm 23. But instead, they would refer to the Psalms by their title. And their title was the first line of the Psalm. The first line of Psalm 22 is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And to think that in the moment that Jesus was hanging on the cross and all that pain, his response was actually to reach out and sing the lyrics of the song. It might not have sounded much like singing at the time when he was in excruciating pain. But I think that might be why those words, those lyrics, were left in their context. Now, when you said the title of the psalm, people in their head could just recite. People in that culture were extremely um, well-versed in their scriptures. They had a lot of the psalms, if not all of them, memorized. And it'd be much in the same way if I just said, O Canada, our home and native land, in your head you can now recite the whole of the national anthem. So, what does Psalm 22 say? We'll look at that in a moment. I want to park there for the rest of our time. But 
Uh, just a, a couple of things before we continue is one, Jesus' response in using a song and how he uses the Psalms can be better than actually learning necessarily all the detailed theology and all the details and analysis of what that psalm entails. And so I'm going to more orient us towards kind of an artistic response to the psalm rather than an analytical response. And I don't know what you are expecting of me this morning. I don't know what you expect when you come on a Sunday morning if you want an, you know, to increase your knowledge and education or if you want to have an encounter with God or I don't know how those expectations are being met. I don't know how they feel if you're feeling disappointed. But this morning, I'm not going to teach you anything new. What I'm going to do is just help you learn how to respond to the arts and use the arts as a response to reaching out to God and also how God can use the arts, songs, TV shows, movies, Bible verses, you know, put up on fancy banners on the wall, a passing comment from a friend. God can speak to us in many different ways. And often our expectations on him are that he's going to put that billboard in the sky, say, Danny, go to Starbucks. At least that's what I usually see it as. (laughs) As opposed to what the lyrics of the song on the radio might be at that time. A couple things that I do want you to know about the psalm before we, we start in a, in a practice called Lectio Divina. Um, the two things I want you to know are, one, there's a heading on this psalm before it gets into the, the actual lyrics. And the first, first thing I want you to realize is that it says it's a psalm of David. And that's important for a couple reasons. The one being that it can actually be traced back to an author that lived a thousand years before the events of Jesus hanging on the cross. So it's not something that could be said was written after Jesus experienced these things on the cross. Because if you read through it, there's some stuff that looks like it could have been. But it was written a thousand years before this event. The second is that um, David writes something it becomes a national song. So many, many, many people would have known and recognized the song that we're, we're going to look at. And then the other thing is, is that this is a very downer song, very hard to read in some ways, just very graphic and very brutal. And our temptation in setting that to music would be to put it in a minor tone, much like how Mike was talking about last week, about how the minor tones of life, the dark, the hard to get through, the stuff that we struggle with, but this song is said it needs to be set to the dough of the morning. And in my research, found that that means basically that he wanted the choir director to be inspired by the song that was written on a mountaintop experience, looking out at the dawn of a new day and thinking about how that birth of that new day brings new life. Which is an interesting thing to think of the lyrics of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, being set to a happy, peppy charge song. So those are a couple things I just wanted you to, to, to understand. Now, when I talk about what Lectio Divina is, it's a, just a Latin phrase of divine reading, and it's a practice that's been done for centuries through the church, and all it is is that I'm going to read the scripture. It's nothing fancy. I'm not going to conjure up any magic spells or anything. 
but what it is is it's a chance to be reflective, to be contemplative, and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us through the Psalms. What you, just, what you do is don't try to figure out what everything means, but you just allow the Spirit of God to speak the words to you. So you ask Him, God, what is it that you want to teach me out of this psalm? And maybe one word or one phrase will pop out at you. And just concentrate on what those words mean to you as you're reflecting on the the hurts, the painful experiences that you've had, with things, the questions that you're writing on that that ball, the, the ways that you've experienced God or haven't experienced Him, the ways you've been disappointed, the way your expectations haven't been met. And see if the words that God speaks to you this morning are reassuring to you in that time. I'm going to read through the psalm two or three times. And just so that you can hear it and allow it to flow through you. Because the first time you might think about how funny sounding my voice is or whatever the distraction may be. And the second time maybe you can hear a little bit more of God. Maybe by the third time you don't hear me at all. So get comfortable if that means you need to slouch. If that means that you need to get up and walk around, if it means you need to close your eyes, whatever it is that you need to do to get comfortable, and for a second, just just concentrate on breathing. Just allow the stress of your week to be dissipated. I have put copies of the Psalms out there if, if you want to be able to to follow along, that's fine, if that helps you to concentrate. If you don't have one and you need one, just put your hand up and the usher will come bring you one. I think there's plenty out there. Here we go. For the director of music, to the tune of the Doe of the Morning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you have brought me out of the womb. You have made me to trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on to you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, 
and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You're my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. But for those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. For the director of music, to the tune of the Doe of the Morning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one that Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man. Scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me, mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on to you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. 
Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel. For he is not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. For the director of music, to the tune of the Doe of the Morning, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. 
Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. There is no one to help. Bulls, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their wide mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide up my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Sometimes we read through scripture just looking for the tidbit of information to increase our knowledge and we miss God altogether. I want to encourage you to read through the Psalms and use them as Jesus did. In a moment of despair, singing a song of praise. So a couple things that I want you to do now is I want you to turn your chairs in towards a group of people. I'd love for you to share what your one word or phrase was with them, if you are comfortable with that, and maybe even what it meant to you. Second is talk about something that has gotten you through a hard time. Maybe it is a psalm or a Bible verse. Those things seem like they should be easy because they're already filled with content from God, and we expect Him to move in those ways. But there's other times in our lives where God will use things from the arts, things that the world has created to actually speak encouragement to our hearts and help get us through hard times. It might be a painting that you have hanging up in your house. It could be the lyrics of a song. My wife in particular is very, very driven by music and I can usually tell what kind of mood she's in based on what's playing on the radio when I come home. 
So, how has God encouraged you? And maybe you're at the point where you're just feeling so alone and rejected and despised by God. Your expectations aren't being met. You're angry. You're disappointed. You're upset. You know what? This is the place where you should share those things. Because if I could figure out God all by myself, then I wouldn't need church. I say this to kids all the time that are very disillusioned with what church is because of the religiosity of it. But it isn't so much about everybody coming here and listening to the speaker on what I have to say, because I'm just as flawed as everybody else. But what I do know is I know this much about God. You know a little bit more, and you know a little bit more. You know some. And when I'm going through a hard time, I need to hear from you. When I'm having a good week, I need to tell you. I need to give you a hug. I just want to call you guys to pray with each other. You're going through hard times in those small groups. Share your verse, the phrase, the word. Share how you get through hard times because you might be surprised that even God is using those things. And thirdly, pray with each other that you would experience God throughout your week. You got it? Let's turn our chairs towards each other and encourage each other in the Lord.